Production. Recorded live. Episode 10, we're back. Um, this week, no Cooper again. Uh, Luke's here. How's it going, everybody? We have um, the man that created the logo for us, the the infamous, the now infamous picture um, that you see on iTunes and everything. Randall Sanders is here. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me tonight. It's our pleasure. We're going to talk. Friends. We're going to talk some Photoshopping and... The, you you run the numbers account, is that right? The MLB numbers I account. I I contribute to it. It's uh it's run by somebody who is a lot smarter than me, which you can tell because he's a Northwestern student. So it's it's a guarantee. Um. Okay. So so your major contribution there is the the photoshops and the and the and the gifts that you. I uh, I came up with. A lot of the graphics that we use, the uh, the GIFs we use for the, the free agent signings and the trades this offseason were my creation, and they were kind of an evolution of a version that I created back at the trade deadline. So I contribute uh, a lot of those graphics and some of the other still graphics that we do in addition to the regular updates where they pop up. Okay. So... You're, do you just use Photoshop for that? Yeah, that's that's all Photoshop. Um, okay. When we're doing a static update during the season, we just use the MLB Shop Jersey Engine and go straight from there because it's quick and easy, and if need be, we can do it from a phone or an iPad when we're not at the keyboard. But uh, other than that, it's all Photoshop. How, how fast do these GIFs come together, like, if somebody got traded right now, like how quickly could you pound on a gift? Uh, depending on the team, I could probably do it in five or ten minutes because creating it from scratch is the hardest thing. Uh, a great example is today Justin Upton was introduced. I was able to get the GIF out in maybe ten minutes because the Tigers had already brought in Jordan Zimmerman earlier in the offseason. So I had a, uh, a template that ended in the Tigers' colors and font. So all I had to do was switch around some text and some colors on the front end, and I was able to get that out. If it were uh, a player going from one team to another team that haven't done, haven't lost anybody and haven't brought in anybody this offseason, it would take me a little longer. But this late in the offseason where I have lots of pre-made templates to use, it takes me less time than it did back in November. The like the logo you put together for us, how long does that take? Is that something that can is like five minutes or? Yours was pretty simple. It took me maybe half an hour to an hour. A lot of it was getting that handprint just right because yeah. you can't just slap a flat handprint on what's meant to be a, a curved, a curved helmet. You have to find a way to kind of curve it along with it. So that took a little longer, but other than that, it was pretty straightforward. Is do you have like a graphics background or? No, I'm mostly self-taught. Uh, okay. A, a, a program called Adobe Photo Deluxe version 1.0, which is like Photoshop minus most of the usable functionality, came with my first digital camera longer ago than we'll admit on air. And I've just been kind of playing around with editing pictures and editing art and putting things together ever since. Interesting. Yeah, I've played around with GIMP a little and uh, 
we don't want to see this the product of what I've put out. Sure. For free software, GIMP is pretty useful. I used it for a brief time, and I don't know if I could go back to it, but for what it is, it's pretty well featured. I, I don't know how many people know this, but I'm writing for Hockey Night, and they we have three guys over there um, that are really, really good at Photoshopping, and they can... Well, I don't think they do the complex stuff that you do with, like, color contrasts and, like, shaping stuff. They can put together some really funny stuff. So it's interesting to see the... And, they, and they're using GIMP, mostly. Um, right. So it's interesting to see the different kind of stuff you can do with, with Photoshop. Yeah, with, with Photoshop, with GIMP, with uh, just a little bit of an idea, you can create just about anything. And it's, it's always interesting seeing what people come up especially in our uh, sports and, and nerdery circles that seem to make up a lot of Twitter. Yeah. Okay, so we can come back to this, but I think the main story right now in baseball was the convention this weekend, or past weekend. I know Luke was there. Randall, you said you weren't there, is that correct? I was not there, no. Uh, I attempted to win passes through a couple of different outlets and didn't quite... Uh, didn't quite succeed in that, so I was pretty content to follow it online. Yeah, I, as I've said on air before, that I was at the Hawks convention, and most of the panels are just kind of redundant. Just, it's just a bunch of fans saying how much they love whoever's at the panel, and then asking a really shitty question. So I, I don't, I don't find a need to go to the convention. But Luke, I know you were there. How was it in person? Uh, it was very packed, I guess a lot bigger than the last two years. Um, they opened up a lot of space in the ballroom where they had the pa- uh, where they had the panels and opening ceremonies and stuff. They opened up bigger spaces, so more room in that ballroom. So they accommodated mostly everybody, but it was a lot of the panels were standing room only and stuff like that. But I followed a lot of the panels through Twitter. I only went to uh, one panel. so But okay. it was still a good time. It's always fun to catch up with everybody and you know, talk about the Cubs in January. So what were, you said you were only at one panel, so what were you doing in the meantime? Uh, just hanging out, basically Walking going around. around there, yeah, trying to find different things. Uh, There's some autograph lines. I got um, a couple autographs and just tried to uh, get the entire essence of the convention without having to be packed inside of a ballroom and stuff like that. Yeah, we we only did two or three panels at the Hawks convention. One of them was one of them was really cool. It was a bunch of uh, old Hawks legends, and then like three new guys. And C- Brent Seabrook was fucking blasted off his ass. Well, <laughs> you know how else do these players get through sitting and taking fan questions for an hour, or an hour and a half, right? Well, exactly right, and. Dennis, uh, Denny Savard told a story about Dino Cicerelli, um, and all the ba- all the people that are listening to this that have no clue what hockey is about are just like, all right, let's move on, keep this going. Um, but it was it that was really fun. Although uh, the moderator is someone of that panel was people is someone people really don't like, Dave Kaplan. Ah, ooh. I, I, yeah, I can see where that would uh, dampen the experience just a little bit. No, I, I, I've, said, I've made this public before. I don't mind Kaplan. I mean, he's pretty 
weird on Twitter, and I've actually unfollowed him, but in person he's a really great, nice guy. We'll uh, we'll take your word for that, I guess. <laughs> the uh, the only panel that I went to was the rookie panel. It had Schwarber, Javi, Eddie, and KB. So it was it was pretty good. Yeah, judging by the pictures that were judging by the pictures that were circulating on Twitter, that that uh, that panel looked absolutely packed wall to wall. Oh yeah! As soon as uh, JD moderated it, so as soon as he said like. Uh, that's about it. Everybody rushed the stage and tried to get autographs and stuff, and we just we were yeah, in the back, so we just kind of got out of there. It, uh, it seems like a dangerous place to be in front if you're if you're not trying to get an autograph and <laughs> end up trampled over by somebody who uh, really wants you know Schwarber's signature on a baseball. Oh, it's insane! I don't know how those guys do it. It's incredible. Yeah, I don't think any of us could handle being famous. <laughs> Well, I mean, you've got you've got let's see, you've got fifteen hundred, uh, you've got seventeen hundred Twitter followers. You're pretty famous. Uh, yeah, but nobody's asked me for an autograph yet. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I haven't either. I haven't been asked. I have, I have not been asked for an autograph. I guess that's our goal this year is to get asked for an autograph. Right. If, if anybody <laughs> out there would like autographs from <laughs> the voices of the show, all you need to do is ask, and I'm sure at least one of us will sign for you. Yes, that is true. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. Did anything come out information-wise at the rookie panel? Uh, not at the rookie panel. No, it was okay. just a bunch of. They just asked a whole bunch of questions. The one funny thing was that uh, they asked Javi what Joe Madden first said to him when he got in, like his office and stuff, and. He said that Joe Madden said not to suck. That was kind of funny. But it sounded yeah, it nice. What? It's it's sound advice. Go out there and don't <laughs> suck, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, no, but were, were you at opening at the opening ceremonies? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so did you notice in the video how when they were scrolling through like the new contracts and stuff, how the dollar values were actually in the in the video of the contracts? I oh, I didn't, I didn't see, uh, I didn't see that video. There, oh. I didn't see any dollar signs. They must have. I wonder if they showed a different video on TV. I oh, didn't see a video with dollar signs, but no, was it wasn't. Video. It wasn't dollar signs. It was the dollar values of the contracts. Oh no, I didn't see that either. Yeah, they they were at least the one I saw on CSN had the contracts. It had like details of the contracts, and I found that kind of interesting. Huh, that is interesting. No, I didn't. I didn't see that one. I wonder if they just played it on TV because I missed that one. Yeah, that was a that was a really well edited. Uh, the one on TV, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Opening ceremonies is always a good time. The video always pumps you up. Yeah. Um, I found it interesting that... Uh, oh, shit. Who came out first? Um, Glenn Beckert. Glenn Beckert was... He, he He's getting old. Yeah. That was pretty cool seeing him come out. A bunch of... Yeah. Like, wasn't supposed to show up. That was yeah. pretty cool. I think I think the funniest part of the opening ceremonies is when Pat Hughes said, promising young arm Eric Yokish. <laughs> right, he's he's like a baseball card writer, where he has to come up with something nice to say about 
players like Jokish and Beeler and other players who are just taking up 40-man spots at this point. <laughs> the uh, When Dallas Beeler came out, I'm just, I, sh- I thought about, you know, fuck you, David Westergreen. Right, he, right, because he he's not a big fan of, of Mr. Bueller. No, he loves him. Oh, even even better. That's, that's <laughs> the problem, is that he actually defended Bueller for um, like three or four starts, and then he's just like, he just backed off on it because he realized that there's nothing defensible about Dallas Bueller anymore. He uh, He can throw the ball to home plate and get it there. Well, uh, so can I, but... <laughs> See, I don't know how many of us have thrown <laughs> from sixty feet six inches. Like, I'm I'm not ashamed to say that I would probably have to get up on the mound and get in a few tosses before I was confident in my ability to to get it there. So, how, how many of us can say that we can actually get the ball sixty feet six inches uh, on our first try without making fools of ourselves? <laughs> well, see, when I when I go do my workouts and stuff, I actually just go to the wall and just throw throw baseball for an hour and at 60 feet, six inches. I have a, I put a piece of tape down as a pitching mound. So me. Oh, okay. So you could, you could throw out a ceremonial first pitch at Wrigley yes. and, and throw a perfect strike and elicit a, a massive ovation from the pregame. <laughs> right down the middle. <laughs> that is, that is a very enviable skill. And I hope to see this someday. <laughs> so I'll see what I can do about it. That would be uh, if I could throw out a first pitch. That'd be pretty cool. That, that would be a neat thing. I think we'd think we'd all like to try that someday. Because then I get to meet Justin Grimm. Exactly, or <laughs> or Carl Edwards Jr. or whomever is on the the low end of the bullpen totem pole. It's I believe <laughs> it's always Justin Grimm. I could be wrong about that. I was always under the impression that it was the the youngest player, the same one they make carry the backpack out to the bullpen. But you might be right. That could be. I don't know. All right. Um, one of the interesting th- things that I uh, saw out of one of the panels, I don't even remember which one, was news about another player taking less money and less years to come to the Cubs. This time it was Trevor Cahill. He passed on a two-year deal with the Pirates to take a uh, two-year deal to start with the Pirates for a one-year deal to relieve with the Cubs. So, uh, destination Chicago. All of a sudden, the Cubs are the team where players want to be. Yep. And even during their last run of success in 07 and 08, uh, the, the players certainly wanted to be here, but that's because the, the Trib was handing out big money contracts left and right. Yeah, then uh, it's been uh, some interesting change that's that's gone over from we've, we've... from that last run to now. Yeah, we've we've seen the organization be overhauled completely, and it's uh, yeah. it, it's it's been nice to watch. We talked about it last week, and we I asked Harry, and I said, "Is there any reason not to extend Theo?" And I can say it now because I don't want to say it with Harry, who who's part of the employer of this man. But Matthew Trueblood went around and said that we shouldn't extend the, the Cubs shouldn't extend Theo because the uh, change every once in a while is good, which. Fuck that. Yeah, uh, put a little more diplomatically, I'm not sure I can agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> to to change, changing general manager, team president, whatever you want to call him, just 
for the sake of getting in quote unquote new talent every few years. That that seems like change for the sake of change, and yes. I, I'm not sure I could get behind that. No, it it yeah it yeah yeah um it, it, I mean clearly that you, w- would you agree with me that like someone Jason so like someone Jason McCle- like some someone like Jason I can't even speak someone like Jason McLeod would have left the Cubs to take a higher role like a GM role or a president of baseball operations role but because he's with the Cubs he hasn't I I guarantee you he's been offered jobs oh absolutely I would definitely agree with you in the context of what we've been told on the surface and you always have to take that with a little bit of skepticism because what, what we're being told isn't necessarily always the truth but right now I absolutely believe that a uh a front office talent, a scouting director like Jason McLeod uh, wants to be here and wants to win a World Series in Chicago. And after that, where you can write your own paycheck, basically all bets are off. But it certainly seems like he and Jed and Theo want to get it done here in Chicago and they want to get it done together. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I think didn't Theo even say at the convention at some point that he's not leaving, be- or not that he's straight out not leaving, but they he's going to he's staying until they win. Didn't he say that? I think it, maybe not. Essentially, it was more like I want to see the the plan through. Okay. And basically, until we win, but I I'm not exactly sure if he'd leave. I don't know if he'd leave after even if. It, after they win, just to see how many you can win with this group. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, he he won with the Red Sox in 04 and won in 07 and left in 2011. So he stayed for a while with the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Right. He, he was named their general manager prior to 2002, I want to say, or prior to 2003. 2003, I believe. Right? I think it was 2003 because, yeah. It was a Billy Bean offering, like at the end of Moneyball. Right, 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 right. Based on what the Red Sox fans say, when they won in 04, there were people saying that it wasn't really Theo's team, it was Dan Duquette's team, and Theo kind of picked up where he left off, which is why I think to Theo that 2007 championship uh, with a roster that he built more so than 04 probably means more to him than the 4 one does. Yeah. Not that you can discount breaking their uh, their drought the way they did, but I think from a standpoint of Theo looking back at his work, he probably has fonder memories of that 2007 roster than he does the 2004 roster. Yeah, I'd, I'd and probably theor- agree with that. Theoretically, you can argue that the 2013 ring was kind of most of Theo's players, too. Right, it was oh, Charrington, for sure. For sure. Charrington carrying the torch from Theo the way Theo did from Duquette. So it's, it's mm-hmm. always interesting to see how people uh, quantify or evaluate the roster building uh, when, when a, a front office change happened in the year or two before the title. Yeah. I have the rosters up from 2004 and 2007, and very few players are similar got David Ortiz, Jason Veritek, 
Manny Ramirez. Johnny Damon was gone, right? Yep. Yeah. Yes, Pedro. Johnny so, Damon. So, yeah. Euclid was on the... No, Euclid wasn't on the 2014. He he might have come up very late. He might have been a September guy. I'm pretty sure he was with them, but he may not have been on the postseason roster. That so was then, the Beckett deal. That was after the Beckett deal that Theo made to get back okay, to Okay, so... So Euclid is a product of Theo. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean Jacoby Ellsbury's Theo, Brandon Moss's Theo, um D- Dustin Pedroia's Theo. Um Beckett you said was brought up or traded for John Lester's Theo. Um, actually, I want to talk about Lester for a minute because, well, indirectly, because who was it? It was William Chen that signed for like what ninety million with the Marlins. He got he got something around that. He got some kind of contract that made the baseball world go scratch their heads in confusion, as is usually the case when the Marlins are involved with something. Yeah, <laughs> and the. The pitching market, in terms of how much money has been given out, has been seriously inflated this off season, and it really makes you appreciate the deal that the Cubs got Lester with, and kind of makes you want to cause pain to Gordo even more for using that dollar value as the way he does. Although, who was it that he was um, self-aware with about the dollar? Was it Dave? Dave was making fun of him for it and was like over under how many times you use 155 million and Gordo was played Gordo played along with it. I don't even remember. That sounds it sounds right. It sounds like the kind of guy who would uh, who would have done something like that. Yeah. And given the self awareness, you have to wonder if he's just writing shtick at this point because he knows yeah. it's it's his his facade. It's it's what he does. But Chen, yeah. by the way, signed five years, 80 million with the Marlins. So that's Wei Yin Chen for five years and eighty million. And we all go Wow Marlins. Right. How how long how long how many of those years do you think he plays for the Marlins? There's the next question. One and a half. So you think he's gone by you, you think he's gone by the trade deadline twenty seventeen? Yeah, I think there'll be like somewhere like seventy five wins this year and then just tank next year and He'll get traded to a contender, and that is that is an identical contract to what the St. Louis Cardinals gave Mike Leake's five years, eighty million. So that's that's the uh, that's the story of this offseason is mid-level pitchers getting lots of years and lots of money. Ian Kennedy got five for seventy. <laughs> that's yeah, that's maybe the most surprising to me. Leake was going to get his because he has that that durable label, which means he's not very good, but he'll pitch seven or eight innings anyway. Uh, the Ian Kennedy getting five years and 70 million just amazed me, much less from the Royals, who in the last few seasons at least have been a little smarter than that. But that's, that's the value of having uh, Scott Boris as your agent and stiff-arming the teams for you until he gets the money that he slash you want from the teams. 
I'm looking at Yen uh, uh, Chen's contract. He's got eight. He's getting eight million, eleven million, twelve million, and then the the. So it's it's what? Oh, it looks like it's a six-year deal with four options. I don't even know what this is. <laughs> now it's saying he must exercise 2018 to 20. 20, 2018 to 2020 options together within four days after the end of the 27 World Series. So maybe it's one option for three years, and if he if he takes the option, he's in for the three years. I don't that sounds, know. That sounds complicated. That is yeah. very interesting. The op, opt-out clauses are the new are the new no-trade clauses because yep. the debate used to be, will a GM give a guy the no-trade he wants? And now it's, now it's will the GM give a guy the opt-out he wants to get another big money deal in three or four seasons. So it's, it's fun to see how the contracts have evolved from one stipulation to another in the last 10 years. Who's going to write the first article that says that the Cubs are going to sit Jason Hayward at 549 plate appearances on the last day of the season so they don't, um, they don't, he doesn't qualify for the opt-out? I don't know who who among the the local pundit set would write that article for his for his own purposes because if anything I would think that's more serving to the team than the player and it, it seems like that's the sort of thing some of the writers might actually suggest as opposed to uh, as opposed to decry. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to remember who like some of the people that were saying that, like, defending Bryant with the grievance stuff was. Um, I feel like some CBS reporter was. No? I don't remember. Hmm. So someone should uh, should assemble a, a checklist, a database of the hot take <laughs> and, who, and who, who presented it and when, so that when we need to refer back to it, we can just say, oh, it was Hey Man with this particular take on this particular day. Um, yeah, we, we definitely should do that. We, we, can call it, yeah, the, we can call it the hot take database. So somebody, oh. wants a new Twitter, somebody wants a new Twitter account to run. There's a great idea. <laughs> Someone wanted me to start up a True Blood parody. Which would be fun. What kind of stupid shit can I come up? What kind of stupid shit could you come up with for a uh, True Blood parody? It seems to me you would just have to maybe come up with something just contrarian enough to be to be confusing and tweet that out. So like call him find a, overrated. Find a Hall of Fame player and call right. him overrated. Overrated. <laughs> right. Just just find universally universally lauded elements and call them overrated. Or, or just like say, yeah, like say, like Ted Williams is, uh, or, or Lou Gehrig is awful. Like he's such a piece of shit compared to. Uh, um, I, I just fucked this up. I can't even remember who I was thinking of. Never mind. Scratch that. But yes, that that's that would be the basic idea. I think. Um. Completely off topic. Did you see the uh, article that Mooney put out two days ago about Theo and Jed calling their shot about Hayward? Yep, I did, and that's uh, that's fun stuff to read. That they they had this planned out a year ago, and then they they went out and they they pulled it off. 
That's insane. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they've had this planned out for much longer than a year ago. I'm sure they have. Zobrist on there, too. I wonder if they had Zobrist on there, too. What? On that that lineup. I wonder if they had Zobrist on there, too. Because I know Zobrist has always been plan A, or everybody said plan A this offseason. I wonder if he was that guy. Because apparently they had a a handshake in place with him at the start of the offseason that was contingent upon trading Castro and clearing uh, an infield spot and a little bit of salary. Uh, and they said, Ben, if we can get this done, we'll sign you for this contract. So you, you have to admire their ability to, 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 iso- to identify these players that they really want that will help the team and see it through all the way to signing them. I have a feeling these guys sat down in 2011 when they, when they both got here and said, what is the out? When do we want to compete, and what does our lineup want to look like opening day of the year? We want to compete, and I'm sure they looked at all the proprietary stats they have and um, broke it down. And I'm sure that Hayward and Zobrist and well, obviously, well, probably not Brian and Bryant and like the rookies and stuff like that were there, but I'm sure. I'm sure they got at least one of the guys they wanted in in that theoretical meeting. And that uh, that that speaks to their ability to 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 plan that far in advance and see those plans all the way through to the end. Well, that speaks I think it uh, yes, but I think it more speaks to their ability to do their job well because that's it, when you're rebuilding like that, that's the one thing you need to be able to do is figure out when you're going to be able to compete. Identify that window and do the best to build up your roster as strongly as possible within that window. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons they are where they are now is because they did they can do that well. So Cubs fans are lucky to have them running the team. And I know there's some people out there who aren't impressed with them because they haven't won yet. I've seen some people call Theo arrogant or some version of that. And I'm just I'm just not sure where opinions like that can come from. If he's arrogant, it's because he's he knows he does his job very well and has a history, even if it's a relatively short history compared to other longer-serving GMs, of getting the results you want out of a roster over a five- or six- or seven-year period. So I just don't understand where the, the calls of arrogance or too smart for his own good come from. Well, they trade all the core players, right? Right. You see that? The, yeah. Right, right. They get rid of all the players that you that you know and like. That's what they do. <laughs> There's some really, really awful people out there. I wish I could yeah, have been on that panel. That every, everybody has their own opinions, and yeah, I guess you just got to deal with them, right? Yep. So um, I was texting my buddy the other day. He's down at uh, Indiana University. He's... Um, He's a, he's a good guy. He's um he was texting me and telling me that he was saying that he's the his claim to fame is that he's the biggest Cubs fan in Bloomington. And there was a girl sitting near him and she said, "No, I bet I am." My un- or my my f- uncle is the president of president of the Cubs. He's like, "Theo?" She's like, "No, Crane Kenny." Oh, is that all? Yeah, I'm just just the guy that blessed the dugout with a goat, or yeah, he, he or whatever that was. 
called in a priest, holy water, whatever. Yeah, that's, that's what know, it was. That's all. Yeah. Just, just that guy. Oh. <sighs> Crane Kenny, you bastard. Did you see Theo talking about the TV deal? Uh, I'm I'm sure I saw him talking about it. Uh, the, the exact words are escaping me, but he, he seems like he's waiting for that money to kick in, uh, and then has plenty of plans for that for the roster. It sounds like he doesn't know why they're waiting to take the money because if you look at the Dodgers deal, and I've talked about this a little before, the Dodgers deal is not worked out. They're because carriage, carriage issues. There's networks in L.A. that won't carry the games. Right, right. And no one wants to spend the extra money to get Dodgers baseball. And then, again, like you just said, have the chance of not getting it. Oh, my God. Right, so, oh, my God. Nico Miritich just forced an air ball on Steph Curry. Um, yeah, wow. That was, that was the greatest. Oh, no. That was the greatest thing I've ever just seen. That, that's a career highlight for Nico. Yeah. <laughs> you, like that, that'll be his. That'll be his defensive. That'll be his defensive highlight reel. It'll just be thirty seconds, <laughs> ending with him, ending with him forcing an air ball on Seth Curry, and that'll be the end of the. That'll be the end of the highlight reel. <laughs> um. Yeah. yeah. So this Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. If I have one concern about the what we hope will be this big bunny TV deal in another three or four seasons or whatever, it's that by the time the Cubs are in a position to get that money, the cable landscape will have shifted enough that the the eight hundred, nine hundred million, billion dollar TV deals won't be there anymore because more people have cut the cord or new new means of getting the networks you want without paying for cable have come about and the Cubs will have just missed that money. But that may be just my, my unfounded paranoia based on what little I know about the market. Oh God. News just broke that NC, the NCAA is going to test selling alcohol to college world series. Oh, what could go wrong? <laughs> this is going to be like who sent beer night at, at the, uh, in Cleveland back the legendary night, like eighteen ninety or whatever. Yeah, yeah like I, a, I can't see. I can't see any way this ends in problems. No, not at all. Just a bunch of guys sitting around for twelve hours a day, watching college baseball and drinking a shitload of beer while sitting in the sun. Right. So again, yeah, right. no, no problem there. Nope, none at all. Oh, the boulder. The Bulls are uh, getting shat on by the Warriors, but it is the Warriors. It It is the Warriors. If they can keep it close, that's almost a victory. Yeah, yeah. It's like when the the less competitive teams of Bulls teams of the past would go out on their circus trip and play, go through the Lakers, they'd go through Mellows, Nuggets, and if you'd say, boy, if they can just keep it close, that's a moral victory, right? Doesn't count the standings, but it's a moral victory. That's that's what tonight would be. Just keep it close, and it would be a moral victory. Where the 
the baseball news and the baseball world is so thin that I started talking about the fucking NBA. Are you saying Justin Upton signing for six seasons doesn't do it for you? Not really. Yeah, he's he's kind of a like, obviously a good player, and getting out of San Diego will help him a little bit. Though he's he's still going to Detroit, but he's he's just for the money. It's just not that is exciting the right word. He's just not that yes. exciting of a signing. That's exactly the right word. But I'm I'm glad the Cubs. I'm, I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad the Cubs offseason didn't go so poorly that he ended up being their guy. I don't think he was ever even really on their radar. No. But if I'm a Tigers fan and Justin Upton is kind of your big outfield signing, I'm like, okay, he'll help. But that's just that's just not all that exciting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that may just be me and my, my new spoiled Cubs fan reality <laughs> where, you know, the team brings in – Ben Zobrist and Ben Zobrist and Jason Hayward, but watch it. You might be called greedy by one of the Sun Times uh, reporters. Uh, yeah, I, I like to think I fly below their radar pretty well. <laughs> but if, if any of them wants to give a listen and take issue, I'll be more than happy to debate it with them. I uh, I hope they know how to block people because that's my goal for this summer to get is to get blocked by one of Morrissey Tellender. Well, I am blocked by Gordo. So, so Morrissey or Tellender, if I, I hope they know how to use a block button. I have a feeling that as sports writers in Chicago, they're probably pretty well versed in using the block button. You know, I, well, yeah, yeah, probably. Except Bruce Levine can't use a computer, so I bet he doesn't know how. Levine, I'm 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 amazed he can even tweet sometimes. Well, he can. <laughs> right, right, and even when he can tweet, it, he still has issues. But I'm amazed he gets those tweets out sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm amazed he writes articles. Right, and decently right. well. Right, so either. Either he's much better at a keyboard or he's got a great copy editor. <laughs> really, really good editor. <laughs> right. Could even be a little bit of both. I, I, I would put money on it that that same editor is the guy that edited Stan Bernstein. So. I, I would not want to be whomever is responsible for editing Dan Bernstein. <laughs> just make You just have to make sure every other word isn't boobs. That's That's... That's exactly right. I would, I feel like I would read one of his articles and it, my, my face would melt off like I just opened the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> so how about uh, Disney's sexism today? Or, or one Lucasfilm rep? Shouldn't speak it's, to all it's of not, Disney. It's, it's not a real good look for them, is it? Uh, no. For those that don't know, Lucas, a Lucasfilm rep said today that the reason Ray isn't uh, in the Monopoly set is because no boy wants a female character in their toy. And then that is a that is a direct quote. It's quote We know what sells. No boy wants to be handed a female character. End quote. So that's that's not a real good look for this this nameless nameless Lucasfilm rep responsible for the merchandising. I'm going to guess that nameless Lucasfilm rep will no longer have a job. Yeah. Either that or he's no longer allowed to speak to anyone with a microphone or a pencil (laughs) on the the record or off the record. 
<laughs> in okay, again, like I said, so thin that I've now put on the Blues and Red Wings game. So as a Hawks fan, who do you root for, the Blues or the Red Wings? Probably the Red Boy, Wings, that's, right? That's tough. I guess it's kind of like White Sox Cardinals <laughs> in that the Cardinals losing is more directly helpful to the Cubs, but either way, you just feel kind of unclean afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Holy fucking shit. The Red Wings just had an open net for about five seconds and couldn't put the puck in. It's, uh, I love nice hockey so for, much. Nice rooting for a team that doesn't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> this one's going to be like rooting for the Cubs in like five years, hopefully. Like rooting wouldn't, for the wouldn't that... Wouldn't that be great if the Cubs eventually get to the point where titles are are routine, where it's ho hum? Where's the rally going to be this time? Right. Like, yeah. I don't like. I mean, Brandon and I were not old enough to completely remember like the Bulls six championships. So, like, I don't know. I wasn't for but, sure. I. I mean, I was. I think I was like four when the last one happened, but. I don't know, it's, it's given me a new perspective on what sports teams are. Like, I've seen the Cubs not win anything and go to the World Series for 20 years, and then, like, the Hawks have been to seven Western, or five Western Conference Finals the last seven years and three rings. Yeah, it, we're, we're very spoiled as Blackhawks fans right now to the point where the success is expected uh, to the extent that it is. And you, you would love to see the Cubs get there to the extent that the Blackhawks have arrived there. That would be really, really cool. That would that would be really, really cool. Yeah, it would, be, it would be nice. Yeah. And uh, they, they, it sure seems like they're on the right path to getting there. It sure seems yep. like they have the, the front-line, top-shelf talent to headline a roster and lead a team in that direction. So it, well, it sure mean, seems yeah, like yeah. They, it sure seems they, like they have a, a a core of Taves and Sharp and Kane and Crawford and Keith and Jalmerson and Seabrook. It seems like they have a core that deep and that strong in place. And that obviously is what you need to not only get to the end, but represent the team and market the team and make the team a, a visual thing as much as a, a sports thing in the way that the Blackhawks have. You can, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you can break it down even further. The Hawks drafted Kane and Taves. The Cubs drafted Bryant and, I guess you could go, let's go with Schwarber for this. Sure, let's go and, with Schwarber because the other guys weren't draftees. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, Rizzo was a trade, but where I'm going with so this is Rizzo. that... Right. What? No, sorry, go ahead. No, so where I was going with this is that the Hawks had one big free agent to get them ready for the cup run with Hosa, and the Cubs just had their one big free agent signed to get them ready for the run with Hayward. Well, so absolutely, absolutely. And I'm, I remember making this comparison when the Cubs ended up bowing out at the end of last season is that you hope the 2015 Cubs were the 2008-2009 Blackhawks, a team that right. was right there on the cusp, and you hope that Hayward can be this team's Hosa as the, the big free agent who steps in and 
ends up being part of that core of winning for the next six or seven years. Right, right, yeah. Uh, Michigan State lost again. That's three in a row. So are you are you an Iowa are you an Iowa basketball fan too? I am. I don't. I don't yeah. know where Randall is. Uh, no, college basketball, not so much my thing, but uh, somehow following all of these Iowa fans that I do, I feel like I get, a, I feel like I get not only play-by-play play on the timeline, but a detailed box score and color analysis to go with that play-by-play. You know, I think Iowa Twitter, like Iowa sports Twitter, is actually one of the better ones that i found. Like, they're actually kind of decent to each other. They, they, they seem they seem pretty decent to each other, absolutely. Uh, it, it seems that if you kind of try and step in from the outside and hit them with a well actually, then they <laughs> kind of get their back they kind of get their back up on you. Or if you're an Iowa State fan talking about storming the court. Don't even don't or, even or bother if walking. You're an Iowa, Iowa State Twitter. fan doing anything. Well good point. I've, I've seen I've seen Iowa, Iowa State cat fights that make Cubs Cardinals look tame. <laughs> yeah. Cardinals I feel like Cardinals fans on Twitter just don't represent like the worst of the Cardinals fans. Like there's that one guy that's like the Texas Cards fan guy who I got blocked by and went after and it was really, really fun going after him. Um, I think that's fair. I think um, accounts like Best Fans St. Louis, obviously, that's a very narrow, a very narrow sampling of the fandom, yeah. and you, you don't want to think necessarily that they're all like that because they're, you know, Cardinals fans. I'm sure they are out there who are respectful, who are in kind of in some ways excited about what the Cubs are coming up with because it'll make those games a lot more exciting. It'll make them mean a lot more, mm-hmm. but. Boy, the, the 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 tweets that end up on Best Fans St. Louis or uh, your your favorite Deadspin piece or whatever compendium you find, it's just a special brand with those people. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, we won't pretend that Cubs fans are universally the, the most accepting, right? We we won't pretend that they're not the worst, and maybe maybe this is a bias assessment of it, but with some of these Cardinals fans, it's just a special brand with some of these people. <laughs> the, yeah. the the baseball heaven people and the trader people, it's just uh, special with them. You know, because a guy is a trader for a team that, you know, that's only played with for one year. Right, he's a, a, a trader for leaving a team to whom he was traded and <laughs> didn't choose to play for. It, uh, it, it, it it boggles the mind a little bit. So it's just a special brand of hatred. And not and just awful. hatred. Not just hatred, but racism and misogyny yep. with these people. And again, we won't pretend that Cubs fans are universally any better. And I'm sure if somebody started a a, a best fans Chicago, they'd probably find more than their share of similar material. But I don't want to see that, so don't no, I don't want to see, see, see that, either. so no one started. No, and, and actually, there have been I've seen accounts that have tried to start that, but okay. perhaps, perhaps blessedly, they didn't quite gain the following of Best Fan St. Louis. Right, right. 
I wish I could have went to the Dempster thing at the Cubs convention when Dempster and Hayward read the mean tweets from St. Louis. I was just yeah, I'm, that I'm tremendously disappointed there's no video from that. That would have been yep. hilarious. Yeah. Hey, the Bulls actually are hanging in after being down 20. Now they're only down 15. You know, chip away, get it down to 10, <laughs> get it down to 5, and then the, the Warriors can go on another 21-4 to, to four run. And, and pull away again. They've got a really, really strong defensive lineup of Aaron Brooks, Nikola Miritich. Um, I, I know the Bulls team so well that I can't even name who who number five is. Number five would be Bobby Portis, the there you go. rookie out of out of Arkansas. Is he is he a good defender? He is. Well, he's billed as a decent defender, just coming into the league right now. He's yeah. probably got a lot of work to do, but he's certainly athletic enough that he could probably be a, a pretty decent defender one day. Right now, he's still got a lot of work to do. Okay. It's good having a, a guy that knows his NBA stuff when you're trying to fail at talking about the NBA. Well, you know, I'm just here to help. Yeah. Uh, Luke, uh... Mm-hmm. Luke said he fell off. He um, he dropped. He hung up or something like that, or lost it. Um, he said, "Do you, do you want him to call back on, or are we going to wrap it up soon?" So it's really up to you. Well, that is, it is your podcast, so I will <laughs> I will leave it up to you. Um, trying to. Th- I think at this point we're just kind of stalling, and I haven't had dinner. So let let's do wrap it up. I guess. Um, let me quickly type this. We are going to wrap up. Okay. Um, Randall, thanks for having or thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I would gladly come back again if you'll have me. We, we definitely will. Um, yeah, it's just really boring right now. There's not a lot to talk about. Right. During, during the season, we'll have a – or during the spring tra- – during spring training even, there will be a little bit more to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to – I think we may start those division previews we were talking about last week, next week, and see if I can find someone to start with. I don't know many Twitter people out that aren't Cubs fans, so like I said last week, if you know anyone, please, please let me know so we can have them on and talk those other teams. Um, hey, I'm, I'm back. Other, oh, you're back. Those other teams. Oh, oh he's back. Who's I that? came back. We were just wrapping up. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah, I was just I was just saying how for division previews that um, we need to find people to come on. Um, yeah, next week I I don't know what we're gonna do. Um, so we'll we'll figure it out and we'll keep you updated on Twitter. So follow us on Twitter. Follow Randall on Twitter at Randall J Sanders. He uh, he's really really good at the Photoshop thing. Um. Yeah. All right. Um, we're out of here. Uh, everyone have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. All right.